Hey folks, thank you for listening. Before we get started, we want to make a very special thank you to our Portal Maker patrons, Griffith Locke, Kayla, Leona, and Bill and Julie Ulrich. We couldn't do the show without folks like you. Thank you. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com Welcome to the Ages, Acolyte. We have so many portals, so many wondrous things to show you. But today, I think this one will be perfect. Welcome to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series, a podcast for all ages, but not really. We are going to swear. Welcome to uh, one of our very early discussion episodes. We're doing this one a little differently because this one's got a bit of time-sensitive info in it, uh, but we hope you folks enjoy. Uh, we're, uh, we were planning on talking about some other age games first, but it looks like we're going to be jumping straight into The Expanse, the most recent iteration of the Adventure Game Engine, uh, because I managed to get into contact with Ian, Lem- uh, Ian Lemke, uh, who is currently the uh, lead developer on The Expanse role-playing game uh, line of products. Uh, he is a, a delightful person, and uh, our interview with him is going to follow here in a bit. Yeah, well, actually, it's going to be pretty much just me. Uh, Jessica and uh, others are not available right now. Uh, we've got uh, stuff going down, and nothing nothing bad or anything. But uh, anyway, to get straight to it, uh, hello, welcome to the Aegis. Uh, we are part of the D20 Radio Network, and we're going to make a quick shout-out to our fellow D20 Radio Network podcasts. Uh, today we're going to be featuring the Squad Tactica podcast, a Warhammer Kill 40, uh, Warhammer 40k Kill Team podcast. Warhammer 40k Kill Team is a miniatures-based skirmish game with two to four players who pick a small team to carry out missions. Squad Tactica is a Warhammer 40k Kill Team podcast focused on kill teams and the narratives they forge. They talk about key, uh, kill team rules, fluff, squad building, customization, personal narrative, battle reps. It is all about kill team and the exciting things that they get to experience and explore. In the latest episode, uh, the folks at Squad Tactica sit down with mini-painting extraordinaire Mark Sarastro to talk about, what else? Painting minis. Pretty crucial for a game that has so many minis. Uh, and I've taken a look at this person's webpage. They look like they have a lot of fun and know what they're doing. Uh, if you'd like to follow up on that, this is episode number 304. Uh, and if you uh, follow, you can follow Squad Tactica on their Facebook page and join their community on Discord if you like what they're doing. And of course, you can support them on Patreon, just like just like a lot of us. And goodness, one of these days I'm gonna have some more stingers like we did back in One of the Thetis. Uh, but for now, we're gonna go ahead and straight to watching the portals, uh, which is gonna be our news section. Uh, modern age fans have been uh, have a few things to look forward to here, uh, as Malcolm Shepard made a long uh, post on Green Ronin's blog about the things that are out now and the things that are coming later. Uh, he of course mentioned enemies and allies uh, that got a little buried underneath the whole year of our Lord 2020, 
but uh, it is considered a core release for uh, Modern Age, and I've taken a look at it. It's got a lot of fun toys in it. Folks who are running Modern Age games uh, definitely should not sleep on this one, and honestly, folks who are running other Age games also shouldn't sleep on this one. I definitely intend to steal several of these things from my Fantasy Age game. We're going to talk about Enemies and Allies uh, Modern Age book in a later episode, I'm sure. Um, he also reiterated that, of course, there are PDF adventures you can grab for Modern Age, uh, like the uh, Modern Age Mission Warflower, and, of course, the first four episodes for Five and Infinity are out and available in PDF form, uh, Five and Infinity being an adventure for the threefold setting, which I also highly recommend checking out. It's cool and very different. Um, Self-pork. I will leave you with that. It's wild. Uh, the next release for Modern Age already has a cover, and Malcolm Shepard talks about it a little bit. Modern Age Mastery Guide. It sounds like it's going to be a GM's guide for running Modern Age, but it's also going to have some stuff that players can use. It's going to have uh, optional rules for games, uh, and of course advice for playing and GMing Modern Age. Uh, and then after the release of the Mastery Guide, later down the line we're going to get Modern Age Powers a book about extraordinary abilities in modern age games and will be a must for folks who want to add some weird in their modern age games. Uh, maybe this is going to include some ideas on how we can make modern age a supers game, you know, a superhero game. That'd be kind of fun. Uh, Malcolm mentioned some other ideas that they've been kicking around. Nothing set in stone yet, uh, but it is clear that modern age is going strong and there's more to look forward to. If you want to read the whole thing, you can, of course, go to Green Ronin's website. Uh, it should be one of the most recent posts uh, we're going to have some other sections that uh, we don't have any material for just yet. We've been we've been pretty far behind on this whole discussion episodes thing, and you know, once we get a couple going, I'm sure that some folks will want to send in some stuff. Uh, and if you don't, you know, that's also cool. Green Running's got a Discord, and they're going to be a bit more uh, immediately responsive about questions about age games uh, or sharing your uh, uh, your homebrews, but. Uh, if we do, if you folks feel like sending us questions, uh, we'll have a segment called Messages from the Aether. Uh, and if, whether it's mechanics, build suggestions, clarifications about old episodes, or anything else, you can send a message to agespodcast at gmail.com. Send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, or SoundCloud accounts, or you can send a personal message. Uh, oh, goodness. <laughs> Got a wave of nostalgia, and then it hit me. that, that This last bit is about uh, the Green Ronin forums, which don't exist anymore, I'm afraid. Um... You can still message Cot or Lease on the D20 radio forums. That is still us. Uh, one of these days, we'll come to this next segment, uh, Peek Through a New Portal for a Fan Creation Spotlight. Uh, you can find uh, all of our submissions from past stuff is going to be in our resources for your game page on our blog. Uh, and, of course, if you'd like to share any of your custom adventure game engine content for any age game, uh, whether it's from Dragon Age, uh, Blue Rose, Fantasy Age, Modern Age, uh, anything like that, you can send it to us through our uh, email, agespodcast at gmail.com. That's A-G-E-I-S podcast at gmail.com. You can send it to us through our Facebook, Twitter, or SoundCloud account, or you can send it to us on con or to Cot or Lease in the D20 Radio forums. So, thank you for sitting with me through the preamble, uh, and today's lesson from the Nexus is we're going to be hearing directly from Ian Lemke, uh, interview to follow. I hope you enjoy.
Welcome, uh, Ian Lemke, to the Aegis. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, I hope you folks are doing okay in this, uh, the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> We're getting by. Uh, it's been it's been rough on the uh, on the role playing game industry. I I, won't I can lie. only um, imagine. Yeah, with shops, you know, stores being closed and all that, and just in general, we've sort of been running behind on everything, which you know has some people stressed out. But yeah, we're still here. <laughs> Fair <laughs> still enough. Game. Yeah, it's always good to hear. Um, so uh, first, uh, well, since we've got you on, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Well, uh, my name is Ian Lamke. Uh, I am a writer and developer of role-playing games. Uh, been doing it on and off for goodness over twenty-five years, twenty-six years. Uh, started started with Change. Well, actually, I started with the Masquerade, uh, the Masquerade, which was the live-action version of uh, Vampire: The Masquerade for White Wolf. Um, and then went on to be the developer for Changeling: The Dreaming and. Then I got out of the gaming industry for a while, and then I got back in doing computer games. Um, and after going through two different jobs there, decided that I really did not like the crunch time and just the Ooh. the whole lifestyle. I just did not like that lifestyle. Um, and the fact that they tend to lay you off after four or five years, you know, to start in their development cycle and, and all that. Uh, I Oof. decided to go back to what I love. Very <laughs> um, good. So, yeah. So here I am. Well, welcome back. Um, so, how did you uh, come to work on this? Uh, come to work for Green Ronin? Um, uh, I ran into Steve Kenson at Gen Con, and uh, he mentioned it. Uh, the, the fact that the the expanse was that they were doing the expanse role playing game. Um, Steve and I had actually worked together on books way back when I was the developer for Changeling. Um, so, so we knew each other that way. And yeah, I'd, I'd gone to Gen Con basically when I, I said I was sort of diving back in looking for work. Um, hey, nice. And I was a huge fan of the series already at that point and the books. Um, and so he hired me to work on, do some sections on the, on the core rule book. Um, and then after that, I ended up developing uh, Abzu's Bounty Freelance for Green Ronin. Um, and then they were looking for a full-time developer, and so that became me. Very cool. Uh, full disclosure, I know very little about The Expanse. Uh, I've been no very, yeah, been very curious about it, uh, but I don't have Amazon Prime, and I've got it from, like, one of our roommates has it, so I can't really hop on to watch it. And, um, and of course, it started as a book series before it became a television yes. show. Um and uh, I just I haven't really gotten around to it. Uh, I've been working. Uh, I'm my greatest proficiencies with the age games uh, start with Dragon Age, and then uh, as they continue to release more, I got less and less proficient just because I was, you know, I'm still running Dragon Age for like two or three years. Um, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But uh, I did get a chance to look at this book, uh, and there's a lot of really cool stuff in it. And I'd love to talk about it. Sure. Well, that, I think that's what I'm here for. So hopefully we will. Yeah, welcome. Uh, I will say that the the game actually is based more off of the novels. Okay. Uh, more, where in fact, it, where they're both they both follow pretty much the same timeline, have the same characters, things like that. But there are differences, um, and where those differences are, we, we uh, default to the uh, to the novels, not the show. In fact, that's we're not fair. really permitted to use anything that's new on the show. So okay, fair enough. 
Uh, and I think the book said something about uh, a bit of a disclaimer that maybe it's good to read Leviathan Wakes first uh, as a bit of a caution. Yes. Uh, if you if, if you read the Expanse rulebook, uh, the, the core rulebook, uh, yes, you'll get a lot of spoilers for Leviathan Leviathan's Wake. Um, Leviathan Wake, sorry. Uh, and uh, we... The, future releases of books will go further and further into the novels and, you know, and TV show as it were. Okay. Um, but, you know, but yes, you'll want to read Leviathan Wakes if you don't want to be spoiled as to what, what's going on. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I went, I went ahead through the rule book and had a couple of things spoiled for me. I'd still like to read that book. Uh, and I think I probably will. Um, so, uh, you didn't, we're not the, the first person to be working on the Expanse line, uh, but you are kind of in charge of it now. Um, yes. how much do you know about how Green Ronin got the, got to work on the Expanse? That one, I don't know much okay. about. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't, you know, involved at that point. Um, this is terrible because I actually heard the story the other day. And I can't remember, <laughs> uh, but right. it was basically some people did some favors for some people, which then put them in touch. The, the, and and George R. R. Martin was involved. Whoa. I think it may have had to do. I think it may have had to do with um, with uh, the other game. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, and 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 Martin led them to the Expanse um, because the the authors of the Expanse, at least one of them, was like an assistant to to. Uh, Martin at one point. Gotcha. It's all so, about who you know. Who you know and doing favors for people and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Networking makes this whole industry go around for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, that's, that's all I know about that. Fair enough. That's all right. Uh, so, uh, the Expanse series. Um, for uh, I, I imagine that at least many of the folks who are listening to the show, uh, me included, know vanishingly little about the expanse except that apparently folks really enjoy it and there's now a whole role-playing game about it uh what's it like uh and i guess what makes it good for a role-playing game um well there's a lot of things that make it good for a role-playing game one it is the uh probably the, I, I would say the best hard science uh or at least mostly hard science uh show tv show or even uh, novel series out there that, you know currently going gotcha. um it rather than there being warp drive or, or hyperspace or what have you, I mean, they use you know, the concepts at least are real physics, real science um, things. So it has that feel. I mean, of tabletop role playing games, I mean, probably the closest. I mean, but you know, back in the day, you know, Traveler dabbled with that a little bit, but you still had jump drive and you know, it was still going mm-hmm. to other worlds and aliens and everything. Where this all takes place within our system, within the you know, the solar system, within within our solar system, at least at the beginning. Um, and it explores a lot of themes of. Uh, uh, that mirror contemporary society um, and that you have earth and Mars, which are the two big powers. And then there's the belters who do all the work um, <laughs> and get abused by both sides. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that, you know, they tend to be the underdogs um, and, and suffer for it. Um, so that, yeah, there, there's a lot of different themes to play with. Uh, and, and there's just a lot of amazing story. I mean, there's so many, I know when I first heard about it, I was thinking, oh, just the solar, you know, just our solar system. It seems so small, you know, when you th- compare it to other science fiction settings. But 
once you dig into it, you start to realize, oh no, there's hundreds, thousands of, of stations and you know millions of people out there, you know, in space. So there's just so many stories and so many possibilities of things to do. I I actually really liked the idea uh, that the uh, expanse uh, narrative takes place entirely within our solar system. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that that was really cool. It was, it was a little different. Uh, not a lot of, uh, I don't really see a lot of, um, I guess stories about, about like folks colonizing their local system. Uh, right. The, we usually like jump straight on ahead into jumping into other galaxies and meeting other, uh, uh, meeting entirely new species. Um, but this one's got, uh, still manages to get a lot of variety, uh, of experiences and stories to tell within one system, uh, and I, right. I, I think that's I think that's really cool. It's a di- it's a different take than what we usually get with a lot of science fiction. Very much so, very much so. Um, and I just had a thought there, but it, it escaped oh. my mind. But <laughs> <laughs> well, if it comes back, uh, be sure to let me know. All right, I will. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There's just there, there's so much depth there, and and you really get to dig in on what's going on. And like I said, I talked about the science. Like there, there is no artificial gravity. Um, so when a a ship is accelerating under thrust, you do get gravity from that. But as soon as they stop having thrust, everything's at zero g. And that's one of the things the belters have actually changed over time physically. Um, they have to take drugs and things. There are certain drugs and such and, and medical procedures that allow them to basically live in a zero G environment all the time. Um, but th- they actually look physically different somewhat from people from earth or people from Mars, because often so much of their time is, is spent in zero G. Um, and the authors did a lot of you know research on what, what that would look like you know, how it really shows it really shows that they've really put the time in to think about like what would what would life actually be like with space travel uh being an everyday occurrence right the epstein drive is pretty much the one is at the beginning the one MacGuffin that you know it, it allows them to to get from place to place a lot faster than we could right now Right. But it's 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 certainly conceivable. It's not something that's uh, outside of the realm of possibility in the next you know fifty years. Ooh, you know that'd be kind of cool. Earth is <laughs> yes, turn Earth is turning out to be kind of like a B plus planet at best. <laughs> kind of our fault. You know, it's true. Uh, so um, the Expanse is a really cool series, and I'm gonna have to go check out those books uh, very soon. Maybe I'll at least grab the first one. Um, but, um, so we've got a role-playing game here, uh, that is based mm-hmm. on the adventure game engine, uh, uh adventure game engine, uh, system, uh, Green Ronin's, uh, semi, like, in-house system. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, let's talk about what makes, uh, the Expanse RPG unique from the other adventure game engine games. Uh, okay. I guess, like, the first one that comes out, uh, is that I heard a lot of folks calling this one, like, Space Age. Because we didn't really have like a lot of uh, age games that really focused on uh, space travel, right? You could. Uh, Which? Sorry. Oh no! Go ahead. What were you going to? I was going to say go you ahead. can you can do a little bit of it with modern age, but uh, this one really kind of like goes into space travel with things like have like having spaceships and have and like just explaining some of the science around it, and even like doing lots of world building that's based around. Um, standardized space travel 
so we don't we right. didn't really have that with a lot of other age games, but now we do. Uh, so I guess that's kind of the first thing. But uh, what 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 about uh, the Expanse RPG sets it apart from other age games? Well, I mean, it. I guess you could say it is space age in, in, in a way, but most of the age settings, I mean, like modern age, fantasy age, um, allow or, or more of a, a generic. Well, I don't want to say generic, but you know, sort of a a setting specific, but yet generic uh, setting. Uh, uh, Setting neutral, set of rules, uh, one size setting, fits all. setting neutral. That yes, that that's a good good <laughs> word for it. Setting neutral um, rules for creating characters and 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 doing things within a certain time period or whatnot. Where the expanse is very much focused on the expanse uh, and the series uh, of novels. Um, so there are a lot of uh, specific things in there for the expand for the series. Now, if you if you just wanted to run a sci-fi game, I mean, certainly you could use the expanse and, and drop some of the the you know very the setting specific material. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, beyond that, it it does it does tweak things a little bit as well. Um, there's fortune, um, which you know isn't isn't typical health, uh, mm-hmm. and of course the churn and things like that. Um, but you know, it, it sticks fairly close to the, you know, to the other age books for the most part, which mm-hmm. is also nice because you can also take stuff from modern age and pull it into the expanse as well. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That modular um, nature is uh, a big draw, at least for me for age stuff. Though, uh, okay. So, uh, game spoiler things. We are, uh, taking something we're, we're actually going to b- borrow some things from modern age in the future to explore other aspects of uh of the expanse universe such as like uh biotechnology and things like that Ooh. so allowing characters to have you know sort of you know cyberpunk to, to allow for sort of a cyberpunky kind of game mm-hmm. so gotcha well, that's. I mean, I'm I'm always here for uh, crossing some wires and reaching uh, reaching into the other books. Um, let's see. Uh, so, fortune was something that I saw a lot come up a lot on the Discord when Expanse came around, and a lot of folks really liked it. Um, right. So it's not. It's a bit of a tra- uh, departure from a more traditional like health or HP score. Um, mm-hmm. So, how does it work exactly? Well, it, I mean, you could almost think of it as a meta currency in a sense, mm-hmm. uh, and the, it it can keep you from taking damage. Um, so basically, you have uh, different conditions, which you know you, you can be injured or wounded if you take damage or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but to avoid being injured or wounded, you can spend fortune to to reduce your damage, you know, down to zero. Um, it can also be used to increase uh, die rolls. Uh, so if you just miss uh, attempting to pick that lock or whatever, you know, or to uh, you know pull off that cool piloting maneuver, you can spend some fortune to actually get a success. Um, so so it has a lot of different impacts throughout the game. Gotcha. Kind of spending your luck until it runs out one day. Correct. Exactly. And that's what I say. It's it's sort of a meta currency almost uh, in that it it it, it, it let, you can spend it both to improve your your improve what you've done or, you know, to get a success at something or to keep something from happening to you if you're injured or you know, if you're attacked. Gotcha. Um, so since this is, um, something that can, like, a like a collection of points, I guess that can kind of be 
moved around in uh, a lot of different situations. Uh, it can go up or down uh, very quickly. Uh, so uh, how does I, I guess like how does this change the game? Does it change it, the game well, that much? I don't. I wouldn't really say that it changes the game a whole lot. I mean, once okay. you're in and playing, it doesn't really have that much different of a feel it's just more that there's different ways of spending it as opposed to just you know hit points or, or health or whatever it just goes down and then you're then, then you're unconscious um where usually i mean different <laughs> games work differently obviously right. but uh but but this has the sort of two i think the big thing is the two-sided aspect of it that not only can can you keep from being wounded you can also get a better success. So if you're shooting at someone, you can use your fortune to actually hit them if you would miss otherwise. Gotcha. It definitely seems like a, a score that um, players will probably think about more often than they would think about a health score. Probably, yes. Uh, though I find because it, it is kind of different in that sense, at least games that I've run, people tend to forget <laughs> that they can use it to right. improve their role. Um, they're, they're always thinking about it as health, but you know, not, that's not it. It's, it's actually fortunate. It's how fortunate are you? Exactly, yes. Um, let's see. Uh, another really interesting aspect that I heard a lot of folks murmuring about uh, was the churn. Mm-hmm. Um, what exactly is the churn? Well, the churn comes from a concept from the novels and the, okay. and the series, but, but uh, there's actually a novella. Uh, which is kind of a prequel to the novels uh, that's centered around one of the main characters, um, which I'm not going to say because it, it's a big spoiler if you're reading the book. Mm. <laughs> but but uh, you actually don't realize, because he goes by a different name in, in, in the novella, and then you realize, oh, it's that character. Um, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but the churn is this concept of that, you know, no matter how well things are going, eventually things fall apart. It's the churn. You know, things are constantly grinding through and changing. Um, so the churn, basically, the more successful, the, the more successes uh, people have, the, the the further they get along in the story, so on and so forth. Eventually, something goes wrong, um, and it's very much it, it's it's the idea of karma, bad bad mojo, that sort of thing. And it gives the, the game master an opportunity to introduce hazards or hardships in the midst of a story without without it seeming like the game master is just being a jerk, you know? It's that gotcha. moment when the ship's engine busts down, breaks down, or something goes haywire. Or, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities there. Um, but if a game master in the course of a story just says, oh, your ship suddenly stops working, you know, the players are going to feel like, what, <laughs> why? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to get some looks. But the churn sort of allows for that to happen. Because at a certain point in the churn tracker, when it gets to a certain point, the game master ha you know, will get, gets the opportunity to bring in these things. Gotcha. Uh, so it sounds like it did uh, come directly from uh, the fiction of, of the Expanse. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Directly out of it. Gotcha. It just, I don't know, it just seemed like it worked so well for a role-playing game. I, I was unsure whether the chicken or the egg came first in this case. I'm not sure. I mean, I know a number. Of, there are a few games that have started to incorporate similar type things. Mm -hmm. uh, having not been there in the initial design phases, I don't know whether it's a chicken or egg situation <laughs> here. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, but it certainly fits well. I mean, I, I like it as a concept for, for any game. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wish more games had had that sort of thing because I really like 
giving the game master the, the freedom to really shake things up and change the story. But what while not just looking like a jerk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, why why um, are you doing this to our characters? Right. Uh, I know that um, I caught one other, at least one other game I've played, uh, Fantasy Flight's um, Genesis role-playing game. At least a couple of the Star Wars versions have a couple of mechanics for introducing complications uh, into the into a particular session uh, because we happened to have somebody, because like a debt gets called in for a character or um, they have a responsibility to the rebellion uh, or something. So... Um, I do like uh, I do like this because getting that uh, <laughs> I know I definitely know I get a lot of weird looks from my players when I tell them yeah no that thing did like fifty damage and like ex- ex- excuse me <laughs> exactly why because um, I wanted to make it dangerous <laughs> but then with the churn you've cut with the, with the churn you've got uh, the option to add. Um, complications but it still feels like you're getting the uh expanse experience right yep very much very good it's, a, it's sort of an important con it comes up the, the, the idea of the churn comes up multiple times throughout the series so yeah, okay it's very much a part of it gonna have to go read things those, always uh, go wrong <laughs> for sure especially if we're doing a hard science uh science fiction <laughs> i can only imagine yeah yeah you do have to go read them <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, next was conditions. Um, at least in most other age games that I've read, conditions didn't really like uh, come out front. I guess uh, they like like Fantasy Age doesn't really have conditions. Uh, Modern Age does have like hazard effects, but they're an optional rule in the companion. They're not necessarily like uh, expected. Um, but in the Expanse, it looks like they do put those like uh, front and center to uh, as things that can happen to your character. Um, Do you know, uh, I I guess uh, you weren't, you weren't here first. So I guess that would be more of a question for Steve Kenson, but uh, um, do you, uh, have you seen like how it works in games or uh, how uh, it kind of maybe like changes the, the mindset? Yeah, I mean, I can take some guesses at that. You said Steve was the developer at the time, so I don't really know. I'm not inside his head. But Mm -hmm. um, I think the idea probably came from, especially in a sci-fi, especially in a hard sci-fi role-playing game, you're going to have a lot of situations that come up that affect characters that aren't necessarily you take damage, Mm-hmm. but that that have an impact on you with such as i mean anything from being in the dark or in vacuum i mean that that's going to be vacuum is going to be a situation that comes up a lot um and so you have free falling which is you know being in micro but you know anytime you're in microgravity um so that's something that's going to affect you know that, that again come up all the time uh and you know some characters are better at it than others um I think it was moved to the front just because, I mean, looking at the Expanse rulebook and the way they just changed the presentation a little bit mm-hmm. in that the, the initial rules were really pared down to the things that affect the character now. Um, like there's nothing about equipment or any of that kind of stuff in the first chapter. It's gotcha. just like, what, what, you know, who am I and, and, and what, what's affecting me at the moment? And I think they were just trying to strip it down to that, that those bare bones. Um, probably to some degree, because some they, 
assume, I mean, I would assume that some people that pick up this game might have never played a role-playing game before. Um, probably people who pick, pick up most other age books, you know, have probably played or are familiar with role-playing games. But, you know, The Expanse might be completely new players. I mean, I know people who have bought the book just for the short story that's in it because the, the authors of the novels actually wrote a short story that's in, in the rule book. Um, it's the only place you can get it. Gotcha. I did read that little flash fiction that they put that that's at the front of the book, and I liked it. Yeah. I, I, yep. Now I'm already starting to get drawn in. Exactly. <laughs> the <laughs> there <point>. it is. <laughs> okay. Um, gotcha. yeah, Dragon Age. Uh, definitely, this is because this is a licensed RPG. Uh, folks can definitely pick it up because they're like, well, I, I already like The Expanse, or I already like Lazarus, or I already like Dragon Age, uh, and hey, look, there's a role playing game for it. Let's grab it and see what it's like. Um, right. Yeah, that's definitely a, a very valid uh, way to you know, jump into these games. And, you know, Age is a lot of fun, and it's very quick and easy to learn, but it's got a lot of depth for folks who want it. Um, so, yeah, uh, putting them putting them in Chapter 1 is probably a good idea because uh, these are things uh, kind of creates the mindset that, you know, this is hard sci-fi stuff. Bad stuff can happen to the human body when you go into space. Uh, so here's exactly. here's some of those. Very true. Right. Um, another thing that comes up that I uh, that I, I latched onto and a couple other folks in like on, on the Discord I saw latch onto was the concept of interludes, uh, mm-hmm. and I like this. It's a it's a nice little timekeeping thing for like downtime that you don't see in a lot of role playing games. Um, so um, I guess like what is an interlude and how does it work? So in in a typical you know over the course of a role playing game. Playing the, it, it, most of the story and, and the scenes are presented by the game master. The game master you know, sets the scene, tells you what's there, tells you what's happening. Interlude sort of flip that script a little bit and let the players uh, sort of create their own story. Hmm. Um, because in, I mean, at least for some aspects of it, some of it's just bookkeeping stuff, right? Some of it might be, okay, well, I'm doing maintenance on the ship and I'm you know, going to do this or, or that. But these all can almost allow players to create their own mini stories uh, because space is big. And even with uh, the Epstein drive, getting from place to place, you know, usually takes weeks or months, even months. Um, so, you know, things can happen during that time. So there are a lot of different opportunity possibilities for interludes. Um, you know, and certainly what's in the book isn't, uh, the end all be all, but, uh, a character can, you know, do research on, on something or maybe even conduct scientific experiments or, um, can work on improving their reputation or, you know, play the markets and invest, <laughs> you know, try to, t- try to increase their income, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, all kinds of possibilities there, um, depending on what they want to do or, or work on their relations with other characters because, uh, like your connection, yeah, your connections to other characters are very important and can affect the story. Um, yeah, that's, one of my favorites as well, and I mentioned it last for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's legit. Uh, I do really like the idea of giving the players a bit of narrative control. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I think that age is pretty good for that already, um, but definitely giving kind of like uh, a specific space of the game that you can create where you ask the players, so what happens during that month uh, that we're flying to Mars? Right. 
Exactly. And and I think that's there sort of in any role-playing game. And mm-hmm. Game Master, you know, Game Master does ask their player those questions, but having it sort of broken out as a specific aspect of the rules, I think gives the player make gives the player a little more agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all prepared for it. If they, you know, if they know the rules of the game or whatnot, that they're gonna know that this se- the segment is coming. So they may actually start thinking about it. Whereas if it's just, you know, okay, well we're we're riding two weeks, you know, to the next kingdom. You're not really thinking about what happened in between. It's a sort of, you know, a nothing. Um, right. And, and in the books and this and the show, a lot of the the more interesting character development scenes take place on the ship. You know, well, for sure. As as they're going from place to place, um, so you know, I think it really kind of brings that into it. Gotcha. So, there you go. I definitely know that uh, a lot of the best character interaction does not necessarily happen in the heat of an encounter. Uh, <laughs> usually it happens exactly. immediately afterwards uh, when everyone's catching their breath. Um, and I like I do like interludes because it kind of like puts uh, creates sort of like a story beats kind mm-hmm. of uh, it creates a beat that uh, this is action time. Um, this is our investigation time. Now we travel to another planet. Now we kind of have like a moment we can like sort of breathe out uh, and create and saying like, this is an interlude uh, is good for telegraphing to the players. Like nothing crazy is going to happen right now. So if nothing wild is going to happen and the ship's not going to snap in half or something, what are you going to do with that time? So you could, if, if it's game master, <laughs> you, could, you, you could have the churn pop up. At that Sorry point. guys. The churn hit 30. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if you're like doing something that re- requires a role for an interlude, you might, you know, push it, push the turn tracker over to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you, you folks are getting awfully close together and you've grown an awful lot as people today. I think now's a great time for the engines to break. Yep. Or that dark secret to come out or, yeah. <laughs> All kinds of possibilities. Uh, and speaking of engines breaking down, uh, spaceships. Yes. This is this was a chapter I was ex- very excited to break into. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm I, like science. A science fiction role playing game comes along. I'm always a big sucker for uh, checking out the spaceships and uh, asking. Okay, do I get to like fly around and stuff? And do I get to fly around and shoot stuff? Because that sounds exciting. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, you do. Yeah, uh, so, sci-fi settings, uh, spaceships are usually pretty important. Um, what role do they have in an Expanse game? Um, an important role. I mean, in many ways, your ship is is almost like another character, um, because it has traits and all sorts of things that, that, you know, very much like a a character. Um, Mm -hmm. I I mean, it depends on your game. Um, Some people might want to have a lot of ship combat. Some people might want to have less. Um, It is one of the more complicated aspects of the rules to get to wrap your head around. Gotcha. Um, But once you sort of realize it's very narrative driven as opposed, it's not a board game. You know, do do not think of it as, as, you know, moving a token Mm -hmm. and we're exactly this far away and all that sort of thing. It's meant to be be done in in a more narrative sense. Um, You know, it yeah, it's not it's not a miniatures game. Um, The. The, There are a good number of ships in the book. Uh, I have been buried. What I've been buried under recently is uh, the book that's coming out uh ships of the expanse which is going to give 
whole ton of ships. Yeah. And we're, and we're doing deck plans for, for most of them as well. Ooh. Um, so, you know, you, you know, so then you could use them for miniatures or what have you. Um, but, but at least just to know, you know, what how these ships are laid out. And that's one of the interesting things about ships in the Expanse is they are not laid out like uh, ships that you're used to seeing in science fiction. Where you uh, walk around on the floor. Right. Well, you do if the ship is under thrust, and and like most ships, for a good part, a lot of ships for a good part of the journey will go at like a third of a g thrust. So you do have an up and down. Okay. Um, it, it, and but the rather than being laid out horizontal, they're vertical. Um, the ships are laid like like an office building, like a tall office. Okay. That way. Because it's going forward, and it's you know the thrust is at the base, right? So it's going up, up. <laughs> there is no real up, but you you know what I'm saying. Gotcha. Because the thrust is at the base, so the floor, you know, it, the decks are like floors of an office building, because that's where your gravity is going to be. Okay. Um. So yeah, they look a little weird to people who uh, you know aren't aren't familiar with with that sort hmm. of. Thing. I did yeah, think. Or, or, they... <laughs> I do think they all look pretty square, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And well, the ships in the expanse don't really have view screens. I mean, they, you can, but there's usually almost no reason to look at what's out there. So what they look like on the outside, isn't that important <laughs> to the That's builders legit. of them? <laughs> you know, why bother spending a whole lot of time making it look pretty on the outside when no one's ever going to see it? I mean, that, there are exceptions to that with like racing ships or or you know yachts or something mm -hmm. like that. that you know, they want them to look for the pretty, ritzy but, folks but, who can afford that. Exactly, but for the most part, yeah, they look really blocky and chunky and you know, like 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 uh, you know tractor trailers or something more the spaceship. Okay. what we think of spaceships. Um, the combat is uh, uh, th there are basically three weapons in the expanse. Um, there, there's torpedoes, uh, which use mini Epstein drives, so end up going. They can go super, super fast because of their, their low mass. Um, and then you have railguns, uh, and then you have PDCs or, or point defense cannons, which are used pretty much for shooting down torpedoes. And in general, combat. You know, begins at long range, uh, and at long range only torpedoes are, are useful. Um, and then if you if you do get into medium range, railguns are useful. Can be used at that range because at long range, pretty much any ship can avoid a railgun uh, by the time it, it gets to it. Um, you get to medium range, and then and it, once you're point blank, you can you use your point defense cannons uh, to attack other ships, or you can use them to shoot down torpedoes. Torpedoes stop being very effective at short range because they're not going fast enough and the ships can shoot them down easily. It, it's a whole lot to think about there. Right. Um, but the, the one cool thing about it is pretty much everybody on the ship does something. Um, it's not yes. just the pilot or just the gunner. Um, the the team leader, you know, probably probably your person who's your leader, who's probably your captain, can make a leadership test to uh you know to give everybody some extra stunt points to play with um and then you know then your pilot can decide okay well, do i want to change ranges am i going to dodge missiles or torpedoes what you know what am i going to do there um there isn't a role to hit pretty much every role uh with weapons is an evasion role because it's really how well your ship is uh, avoiding being hit 
than okay. the person doing the targeting. Um, there's someone on sensors, which you know gives the the opposing makes it harder for the other ship to hit you. And if your ship gets damaged, your engineers can you know patch things up <laughs> as you go along. Yeah, very just good. Keep flying. Um, so yeah, pretty much. I mean, even a game up to like five players or so, everybody gets to do something uh, during the fight. Excellent. That can be uh, occasionally a sticking point in some in some sci-fi games. Uh, yeah, having uh, suddenly having flashbacks of our Star Wars campaign, where on the ground the Jedi's were handling everything, but uh, when we got into the cockpits of a ship, they quietly they sit very quietly and politely in the in the cargo bay while everybody else gets to have their space adventure. Right, and so yeah, the, the goal there is to to have you know every, everyone be involved. It's very much just like a regular round of. You know, okay, you go first. You go, you know, it, it just sort of goes through all, all of the characters and what mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, so it plays out very much just like any other round of combat. Very good. All right. Uh, so we've talked an awful lot about the Expanse RPG. I bet a couple of folks out there, hopefully, are very excited to try it out. Uh, so if they'd like to get started, uh, what can they grab right now? Well, um, there is a free quick start available on the Green Running site. Um, so if you just want to check it out and you know play it a little bit, there's an adventure with it. Um, there's pre-gen characters. You can just go. Um, then, of course, there's the core rulebook if you like it. <laughs> um, there's a Game Master's Kit, uh, which comes with an adventure. And there's, uh, uh, there's also uh, a, a Game Master screen, of course. Um, we have Abzu's Bounty, which is a six-part mini-campaign, basically, that, that's set roughly around the same time as the first first episode, first novels. Um, and uh, there's also another adventure. That, it has six adventures um, that are all part of one mini-campaign, but they mm-hmm. were very specifically designed to be able to work on their own as well. Like, you, okay. pretty much any, any of them you could pull out and with some minor tweaks just you know, change whatever the MacGuffin is or whatever they're after, and you know, boom, away you go. Very good. Um, there's also a, P- a single, uh, there's a PDF salvage job out right now, too. Um, but that's only available by PDF. Fair enough. Not a lot of, not super a lot of call for print stuff these days, but there, of course, there are still plenty of folks who like to feel the book in their hands, like me. I'm one of them. <laughs> I admit <laughs> it, I hate Right. <laughs> I went ahead and got uh, the. I got I got PDF copies of pretty much every other, all, pretty much all the age books. But I definitely am looking forward to the chance to call up my friendly local gaming store and order myself uh, some more of these age books. Cool. <laughs> we have new books coming out. We have been lagging a little bit. The pandemic mm-hmm. on a number of things, um, just being able to do contracts and things like that, um, and, and printing and everything has been running behind but uh as i said ships of the expanse will be coming out i think october october november very nice um and that has uh like 30 some new ships it, it has some additions to ship combat um you know to, to if you want to make it more complicated add more things <laughs> to it because you know everyone some people like to do that myself included um and then it also just has a lot of cool information about what you know living in space is like and uh you know what you know how a ship how a ship runs uh day to day um and then there's also some uh, basic like sort of trading like if you're interested in running a campaign 
you know, where you're doing a lot of, uh, you know, shipping cargo or smuggling cargo and that sort of thing. There's some, some basic rules in there for that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then we have beyond the ring, which that's a big spoilery one, uh, because that, that takes things out for those of you who are, who are familiar with the expanse, that things takes things out beyond the soul system into ring space, Medina station, um, lots of details on Medina Station, and then we have uh, descriptions for a whole bunch of new worlds beyond the ring gates. Um, so we, there, are, there are write-ups on the, on the, on the uh, worlds that are described in the books as well, but we actually th- didn't focus on those as much, uh, and, but we you know, were given permission to create our own new worlds as well. So Very nice. All right. And, uh, and we've yeah. got. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. What was what was next? Oh, oh I was going to give you one more, which I think I'm allowed to talk about, but it, it is written at this point, so uh, this may be one of the first places announced. Uh, but uh, the Soul System uh, will follow at that, which uh, is ba- basically sort of goes back again and focuses on everything in the Soul System. Uh, you know, the, lots of description, all kinds of stations, and things like that. So if you're you know your campaign within the Soul System makes it a lot more fleshed out um and that's where we're also going to have uh some new rules and new equipment we're gonna have a lot of new equipment um and rules for like cyberware bioware that kind of thing very cool sorry (laughs) are you good that's it yeah that's exciting um and i believe we've got one thing that is uh coming out fairly soon that is on kickstarter right now uh there are uh, sets of expanse uh dice Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> they're very exciting. We, we we spent entirely too much time going back and forth things. Okay. Um, just just so you know, we, we we didn't just you know choose them randomly. No, um, the, the, uh, they're really cool looking. You, the Kickstarter's live right now. I think we're yeah we're, we're just like a week in. Uh, yeah. The uh, we we're already more than halfway to one stretch goal. Which is there are currently Mars, there are Earth dice, Mars dice, and Belter dice, um, really UN, uh, uh, Martian Congressional Republic, and uh, and OPA dice. But uh, if we hit our, our stretch goal, uh, we're going to have protogen dice or sort of molecule dice as well. They look pretty hoping, cool. Yeah, I'm hoping we hit that because I want them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they all look fantastic, and I'm I'm always a sucker for more. Pretty, more pretty aged poly, more pretty polyhedrals, uh, especially if they're themed for the game that I'm playing. Exactly. And, and what is it about dice? We're all obsessed. I don't with know. Dice. We're all just goblins uh, wearing <laughs> wearing large meat mechs. That must be it. <laughs> uh, so, as of this particular recording, with the um, with uh, goodness, with today being August twenty fifth, um, the the campaign looks like it's got about three weeks to go, twenty one more days. Uh, they're already uh, at twenty one thousand out of their ten thousand goal. They've done, they've managed to fund in six hours, uh, and if we can get to what is it thirty five thousand, we can yes. uh, move on to the protogen dice set, uh, which looks like Kickstarter exclusive exclusive might not be available after this Kickstarter is done. Um. I'm I'm honestly not 100 sure. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I apologize. <laughs> well, you folks are gonna have to act now. All right. Um. Well, my, my time. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> my you time did. Focus, focused on developing books, writing and developing books, and 
the marketing stuff sometimes goes by me a little bit. So. Hey, fair enough. All right. That's well, uh, thank you so much for coming on, Ian. Uh, I really appreciate your time. You are welcome. I had a great time. Yeah, thank you. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add uh, before we sign? Go ahead and sign off. Oh, I, well, if you don't mind me, sort of uh, sideways plugging another group. I, I did sure. a, a, an actual play uh, session with um, Red Moon Roleplaying recently, and it just came out today. Ooh. Uh, the first part of. Uh, so if you're interested in you know hearing how the expanse plays or whatnot, it, it's a great way to uh, great thing to check out. Uh, it just it just popped this morning. Uh, it's on Red Moon Roleplaying. It's called Star Frost. Okay, is that on uh, Twitch or YouTube or? Uh, they have it everywhere. It's oh, on. Nice. Uh, I mean, you can go to directly to their site. It's on YouTube. Actually, I don't think it's on Twitch. Okay, but gotcha. I, I can get it on YouTube and and just you can go to their site and get it there. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you can go hear what the expanse sounds like for yourself and see if it if it sounds like it's a good fit for you and your group. Uh, thank yeah. you so much for coming on, Ian. I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a blast. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I hope you have an excellent day, uh, and we will catch you soon. Okay, you too. Anytime. As we close our show, we want to give a big shout-out to the folks at Sirenscape for the sound effects and music that you heard on the show. The Sirenscape app creates these gorgeous sound sets in real time, and you never get the same sounds twice. Download it now, and you get 10 free sound sets without paying a silver or even creating a login. Check out Sirenscape, friends, because your epic games need epic sound. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. Anything you can contribute is appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon on our blog and in the post for the show. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on our social media. We encourage you to leave a comment or a question or even tell us how your age games are going. Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud, and if you can, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series. We're all just goblins uh, wearing, <laughs> wearing large meat mechs. That must be it.